Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week, we find out about dinosaurs and legacies from the prehistoric past. So where exactly do our jaws, what makes up our ability to bite and chew, come from? And what that has in common with ancient fish? Plus, we find out about this amazing work being done out of central Queensland to discover whole new types of dinosaurs deep in the heart of our country. The dangerous and sleek elegance of a supermarine predator hunting through the waters and chowing down on some unsuspecting prey with very large teeth and an opening jaw is something that evokes a lot of fear in humans. That's why the movie Jaws was so successful. But there's actually a a lot of connections between humans and, for instance, sharks or other fish and their jaws. When we think about human evolution, we know that we came, well, most land animals actually came out of an evolved path from fish in the ocean. And fish migrated to amphibians and then onto land and split into the mammals and various other types of animals that we have. And humans thus also came further down that journey. Now when you look at sharks and other fish, you can see that they have jaws. And yeah, and so do we. So do crocodiles. So do a number of other animals. But when you look at the jaws in fish, you can see that in the front of the jaw, the bones of the jaw. They have the dentari, the maxilla, and the premaxilla. And, you know, these make up the jaws that carry the teeth. That The sharks have that, crocodiles have that, we have that. But when you look at other fish, you know, even crocodile, cod, sharks, you name it, no other fish has jaws at the back of the mouth. Jaw bones at the back of the mouth to hold teeth. The gnathal plates that we have. Where did they come from? Surely they came from somewhere. And if we share so much in common with this evolved feature that started out in fish that humans then kept, why are we the only ones that have it? Were there any other species that actually had these natal plates? And for many years, researchers have been wondering why there's this difference between them. Are they connected? Are these large bony plates at the back, the natal plates, actually connected to the development of all these other jaw bones at the front of the jaw. Because if we look at a really large prehistoric armored fish, which is called a placoderm, such as the Dunkeltosaurus, you can see that they have these really amazing sheet metal cutter-like blades in the back of their jaw, developed on their nathal plates. And it seemed to be a feature in common, mostly with bony fish, but no one really understood why they had that kind of jaw feature, which we have in humans, similarly, not as intense, but they didn't have this sort of front jaw features, whereas other fish had the front jaw, but not the crazy parts of the back jaw. And it seemed very unusual that humanity has got both, and we can only find half of each one in the fish. So researchers have been pondering this for a little while now. But all of that was turned upside down when researchers from the Institute of Vertebrates Paleontology and Paleoanthropology, the IVPP in Beijing, and the Uppsala University in Sweden began studying a rare fossil that was discovered in 2013. It's called an Antelogonathus, a Silurian or 423 million year old, that's the Silurian period, fossil, 
which is a large fossilized fish from the Yunnan province in China, which has like that classic placoderm, big armored fish type body with, which is in common with even the, the most earliest type of fish with bones that we can discover, as well as a whole bunch of jaw characteristics that combine both elements that we've been talking about. It has dentary, maxillary, and premaxillary areas, as well as this nasal plates with these large sheet metal crushing style plates in the back of the jaw. And then they found another fossil to go with the Entelogonathus, the Quilinu. And it, what they see in these two f- fossilized ancient fish is both fishes. They have the both characteristics of bony fish jaws, the front parts, as well as the latter parts, the broad biting surfaces inside the mouth. And what that means is we've actually managed to find that connection between these two things that we see inside us back to some root sources. In, in a simple interpretation, the pattern in our own jaw bones are the old nasal plates of placoderms, slightly remodeled and also including some of these front parts of the... So it shows that we have a lot in common with creatures of the deep from today, but tracing back through our evolutionary journey, we can see that there's also a lot of co- we have in common with some ancient armoured fish. And that helps us shed light on how our jaws are formed and the why our teeth and jaws around them are structured in the way they are. This is some great research being done at the IVPP in Beijing and the Uppsala University in Sweden. Australia is a very large and very old continent. Our indigenous first peoples have been here, the recorded history, for over 40 to 60,000 years, depending on which region. But going back even further than that, we have some of the oldest rocks and rock formations in the world. Mostly because of the way the the landmass of Australia sits in the middle of a continental plate means that we haven't had much turnover or change. And one of the most interesting parts about that is it means near the surface we have some incredible fossils. In fact, it makes it pretty ripe for dinosaur hunting. And that is exactly what they do up in north and western Queensland in an area that's quite large, takes a significant portion of the landmass of western and central Queensland. This is a formation of rocks called the Winton Foundation Formation. It's uh, basically from the Cretaceous period. Uh, it's a period of time roughly from 145 million years ago through to 66 million years ago. This is a time that you may recall is very closely aligned with dinosaurs. And what makes the Winton Formation so interesting is that there's these layers, these basically of sedimentary rock, sandstone, silstone, claystone that are there because at the time, in the Cretaceous period, this area sort of overlapped with the Aramanga Sea, basically an inland sea that covered large parts of Queensland and Central Australia. For at least four times 
during the 67 or so million year period of the early Cretaceous. There were great meandering rivers, forests, pools, swamps, creeks, lakes, even coastal estuaries that all left behind different types of rock. In some areas, in fact, the formation, the Winton Formation, is about 400 metres thick. Other times, areas much thinner. And if you think about it, the rivers that flowed across these plains were comparable in size to the Amazon or to the Mississippi or any of these other huge river systems, which is very, very different. The image that we have of the hot and barren desert of the Australian outback, particularly in central and western Queensland and basically in the interior of Australia. Now, why is this river system from millions of years ago important? Well, because at the Winton Formation, given its nature of a coastal estuaries, rivers, del river deltas, pools, it means that fossils were very easily captured there. They would sink into the rock and then get preserved as they were preserved in the mud and the sand that then got laid upon laid and became preserved in rock relatively close to the surface. And that's why in 2002, the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum was established around the Winton Formation and what they call the Great Australian Basin. And it was founded by David and Judy Elliott, who established this museum and art paleontological research organisation in the middle of Australia. After one fossil was found, basically, in 1999. And now, since then, this group has found several fossils, which have helped give it a great insight to the dinosaur history of Australia, something which up till then hadn't really been considered. Now, when you think about dinosaurs that exist in Australia, you may remember, of course, the Mutabutasaurus, or perhaps the Minmi Parvertebra, or even the Hypsilothodontid. And they're all exciting types of dinosaurs, but at the Wint information, particularly at the Australian Age of Dinosaurs uh, Research Facility and Museum, they've discovered several more, including the Australolovinato Winternessus, the Winotitan Watsay, and the Diamatinosaurus Matildae, which are these other... So the Winternessus Titan and the Matildae are basically look a bit like you would imagine a typical herbivore, long neck, big body, long tail. And the Australia Levanto is a, a raptor-type carnivore with claws on its hands and feet, as well as a very large jaw. But added to this mix, in a recently published set of findings, a new Cretaceous dinosaur has been discovered and named the Savannasaurus eleatorum, which is not only a new species of dinosaur, but a whole new genus discovered in Western Queensland from approximately 95 million years ago. Now, the Savannasaurus is named after David Elliott, the co-founder of the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum and Research Facility, who was also not only founded and set up this entire area, but helped in the discovery of several more species, which is a worthy recognition for him. And when they excavated in 2005 uh, a number of areas, they found seven seven pallets of bones encased in rock, which were recovered through just when they excavated to build the museum. And after 10 years of painstaking work by staff and volunteers piecing it together, they've actually managed to form this dinosaur, which they've nicknamed Wade. Uh, now, once they've actually collected, identified, and pieced together this fossil, they've now published it and named it. And that involved collaboration with researchers 
such as sauropod experts from the Imperial College in London and University College in London to help come up and identify the species and genus and family that this Savannosaurus belonged to. The Savannosaurus and the Diamatanosaurus both belong to a group of seropods called titanosaurs, which is like the largest living land animals of all time. And what's really great about the Savannosaurus's discovery is that it sort of demonstrates that these titanosaurs were found not just in pockets of the world, but pretty much everywhere 100 million years ago. Which makes sense, given that the arrangement of the continents and the global climate at the time of the Cretaceous period enabled the titanosaurs to sort of spread worldwide. As basically Australia and South America at the time were connected through Antarctica due to the formation of the continents. Now, Savannosaurus, if you want to think about it, despite it being huge, is still only a medium-sized titanosaur. Uh, and if you think about a basketball cord, it's basically half the length, with a very long neck and a pretty short tail. That being said, its hips are like one meter apart, so we're not talking about a, a, a really tiny thing here either. And this just goes to show some of the great work being done out of Australia to help understand our dinosaur and prehistoric history that inhabited this great continent before our first peoples were here, before anyone was here, uh, 150 million years ago. Now, there's still other dinosaurs being put together by the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum and Research Facility, including Oliver, a juvenile sauropod, Mick, a sauropod, Mary, a sauropod, Mackenzie, another type of sauropod, Dixie, a, third type, a fourth type of sauropod, and Chucky, a crocodile. And they have all these fossils and they're basically analysing them at this stage and piecing them together. And eventually they will be probably unveiled and published as well. But until then, we wait. So there's this has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, The Green Point. This will be found in helping new dinosaurs shed light in Central Australia. Plus, we found out how ancient fish in China helped us understand where our jaws come from. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.